This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Scott did an absolutely amazing job the last two weeks. It was absolutely fabulous. And so I called him this week and I said, hey, can I just kind of jump on board and just carry on one more week? Because there was so much good stuff. So I'm like, do I have your permission? So he said, yeah, sure, go for it. I had actually originally not planned to, but I I landed on this idea of the, the a parable of the sower. And the more I studied this week, the more I realized that it's got so much to do with what Scott talked about the last couple of weeks. So he talked to us about miracle growth. Um, And he talked about how we need to plant our roots into the soil of the Word of God to pursue Him. And also last week, he talked about how we need to allow God to prune us so that we can actually bear more fruit. And so we've talked about roots and we've talked about fruits, but today I actually want to talk to you about seeds. I want to talk to you about seeds, what they are, and what kind of soil they need to go into to truly produce that fruit and so that they would germinate and start growing. I heard a story about a Native American who left the reservation to join his cousin who lived in the city. And one day he was walking down a busy street and the Native American said, I hear a cricket. His cousin was amazed because all he could hear was the traffic. After a short search, the man reached down and picked up the cricket. And when he stood up, uh, oh, sorry, yes, sorry, when he stood up, he pulled out some change out of his pocket and he dropped it on the sidewalk. The noise was no louder than the crickets, but immediately several pedestrians stopped and turned toward the sound. The man then turned to his cousin and said, see, people hear what's important to them. And so today, I actually want to talk to us about what is it that we're hearing. I want, to, I want us to take a, a, an inventory of our own lives and, and look at ourselves and go, what are we hearing? What are we listening to? Are we listening to the voice of Jesus speaking into our life? Or are we listening to the busyness, the, the cars going by, and the noise of our culture today? And so I want us to um, look at what Jesus had to say about this parable about the sower. And basically, I want to talk to us about what we are hearing. So the parable of the sower is found in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus actually first um, speaks this parable in the first nine verses. And then one of the, this is actually one of the only parables he actually then returns to later on with his disciples. And he actually breaks it down and explains the entire thing. So I'm going to read to you first uh, from Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 9. It says, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. A great multitude uh, were gathered together to him so that he could so he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and then he spoke many things to them in parables saying behold a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them some fell on stony places where um, where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth but when the sun was up they were scorched because they had no root and they weathered away And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And then he ends it off by saying this, To him who has ears, let him hear. And so this is so interesting. I've actually been studying this parable all week, and I've never seen so many little nuggets. So if it's okay with you guys, today I'm going to actually give you a whole bunch of definitions from the original Greek words, because I just, the more I was digging, the more I realized that, wow, there's so much stuff in this parable. 
So Jesus actually talks about four different groups of people. But the interesting thing is that all of them received the same type of seed. He's never differentiating about the seed. He's just saying that there's, there is a sower and he gave seed. So he's talking about the seed as the word of God. And he's saying that what happens with that seed does not have to do with the quality of the seed. What happens with that seed has everything to do with what soil it goes into and where they're at that determines that outcome. Or if I can say it like this, he says what they hear. Even though they're hearing the same thing, he's saying there's a difference between hearing and really hearing. How many of you know you can sit in church and you can hear the whole thing, but you didn't hear a thing? Right, that never happens here, right? Because you're all so attentive, and it's always so interesting, and you know. But um, you know, you've had—I've had days like that where you're like, "Ah, uh-huh. that's why I take notes. That's how I hear. <laughs> I really hear when I take notes." But I want to um, delve into those four different categories. And the first one is called the wayside. So he talks about how um, the sower sowed seed, and some falls by the wayside. So in verse 18, he starts explaining this to the disciples, and he says, "Therefore." Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So what he's saying here is that this person only hears the word. They don't actually understand the word. So the word comes, they physically take it in, they hear it, but they don't allow it to settle in their hearts. And I think many times it's because... um, we're afraid to let that seed come in and germinate <laughs> because what will happen is it'll start pushing on some areas inside. So it's much better, better um, sometimes just to, okay, I'm just going to hear that and let it pass on by <laughs> uh, because then I don't have to do anything in response. But what Jesus is saying is that it can't bear fruit because they're only hearing it. They're not taking it in. But think about this. A seed actually needs to be put into the dirt in order to grow. So what does the dirt represent? It represents our lives, as dirty and filthy as we are. How many of you know we have some dirt? We're actually made out of a dirt. How's that? Um, And so what we need to do is we need to allow the Word of God to come and settle right into our heart and start to grow. And if I can say it like this, a, a seed needs not only to be dropped on the ground, but it has to go into the ground, and it then has to receive water, which in, in the Bible actually represents the Word of God. It needs to receive sunlight, and if you think of the Son of God shining on that seed to start growing that seed, and then there's this wonderful process called time. In order for that seed to actually grow, there needs to be some time, and it actually sits in the dirt, and at first you see no growth whatsoever. But something is happening inside that seed, and it's drawing the nutrients of the soil around it, and it's taking that very water of the word that is coming and giving it everything that it needs so that it can start growing and take root. And if I can say it this way, we're all made out of dirt. Isaiah uh, chapter 64, verse 6 says that we are all an unclean thing. All our righteousness are like filthy rags. In other words, we can't be clean in and of ourselves. Even our righteousness is filthy to God. So what we need is for him to come in and purify us, him to come into our lives, let that word settle deep inside our hearts and make us clean. But God has to come into our place of dirt, sometimes of filth and darkness and sin, not just on the surface. But I believe that many people hear the word, but they don't truly take it in and understand it 
because they're afraid to let God into those areas. But he's saying today, it doesn't matter how dirty you are, it doesn't matter what you've gone through, it doesn't matter what you struggle with, let me come in and allow that seed to sit deep in your heart and start to allow the water of the word of God and the Son of God to shine on that word so that it can start to germinate and it can start to grow. And there's one promise, and that is if you allow the word of God to sit inside of you, it will always push toward the sun. Somehow, a seed always knows what direction to grow. And so if it just sits there and you allow the Son of God to shine on you, that word will always start to push toward the sun, toward Jesus. So we need to do two things according to this parable. We need to both hear and understand. In the Hebrew, or sorry, Greek, actually, we're in the New Testament, those are actually two different things. Hearing means to understand to perceive the sense of what is said, or to comprehend. So it's got to do with our mind. We can take something in. But then it says, for, because Jesus said those people heard the word, but they didn't understand the word. So the word understand in the Greek actually means to join or bring together in one's mind. So it's not just hearing it and comprehending it. It's actually joining it together with that knowledge and letting it sink in to our hearts and to our lives. So Jesus says, if we only hear it, but we don't understand it, then we're not truly letting him change us from the inside. If I can say this way, understanding is what leads to an application of what we're hearing. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding, there's that word understanding again, have all those who do his commandments. So in other words, we can hear it, but if you want to apply understanding, you actually do his commandments. You actually do what it says. And it says here that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. So to truly hear him, we have to fear him. And not as in be afraid of him, but we have to fear him in awe and respect to truly understand and take in that what he says is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we embrace him like that, and we don't just hear him, but we fear him and say, your word is the truth, and that truth can set me free, then we start to apply that wisdom deep within our hearts. Back in um, when Jesus was first born, there's that story of how the angel came to Mary and she conceived and then they traveled far so she has the baby and then in Luke chapter 2 it tells the story of how the shepherds came and worshipped him and the, uh, and the magi came to worship him and so all these things are happening around her and I want to just read to you from Luke 2 verse 18 to 19 it says and all those who heard about this marveled at those things that were told by the shepherds so here they're hearing but listen what Mary does. But Mary kept all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. That word kept literally means to preserve a thing from being lost. So the multitudes heard about Jesus, but Mary said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this. I'm going to preserve this moment. I'm going to preserve this promise from being lost, and I'm going to hide it in my heart. And then it says that she pondered it in her heart. Do you know that the Greek word used for ponder and the Greek word used for understand is the same word? Isn't that interesting? So Mary hears it. The multitude hears it, but she keeps it. She takes it. She hides it so that no one can steal it from her. And then it says she ponders it, she understands it, she makes it part of who she was. 
And so when we want to truly allow the word of God to change us, we need to go beyond what the multitudes hear. And we need to take it and say, that word is for me. That word is a word that can change my life. That is mine, and I'm not going to let go of that promise until I see every last piece of that promise fulfilled. And so we need to keep it, preserve it from being lost. Do you know that there's an enemy out there, and all he wants to do is snatch that word away from you? There's people around you that will discourage you, that will say, that can never happen, and that won't happen. But you need to take that word and say, no, it's mine, mine, and mine. So you have to be a little bit selfish. This is your one time that you can be a little selfish. It's when it comes to the word of God that you need to literally grab hold of it and say, it's mine, and I am not letting go. I'm going to hide it away in my heart. I'm going to ponder it. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to take it in until I see the fulfillment of that promise in my life. See, we can hear it, but it's a whole different thing to understand it. And if we don't hide the word of God in our hearts like Mary did, Jesus says that it lays open and exposed and the birds can just come and snatch that seed away. And if you think of it, if we don't hide the word away and make it personal, it's an open invitation for the enemy just to come and take it. Right? Just like the bird. If you put a seed out and there's birds flying in the air, I can guarantee you that they're going to find it and they're going to eat it. But if you dig it into the dirt and you hide it, and you take it, and you keep it, then I promise you that that seed will start to grow and germinate and start pushing toward the sun. The second group is this, the stony places. So Jesus talks first about uh, those who are by the wayside, but the stony places, Matthew 13, verse 20 to 21 says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Listen to this. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, not because of the world, I want you to catch this, not persecution because of the world, but when persecution and tribulation arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. That word stumble, you know what the Greek word is? I told you it would be a lot of Greek today. I'm sorry. Um, just how I roll. But that word is the word scandalon. It's the word for offense. So he says that this person who is among the stony places, the word can't take root because he immediately stumbles in offense. Although it says here that he hears the word and he receives it with joy, and receive literally means to take or to lay hold of something. So then the question is, if he hear it, if he can hear it and receive it, then why is it not growing? So let's go back to Jesus' original parable earlier in the chapter. In verse 5 and 6, he says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. So what Jesus is saying is that the word, the seed, could not take root because it didn't have much earth. It didn't have soil to grow into. And on top of that, when he explains this parable, he points out the fact that it's not just the absence of earth, it's actually the presence of stones, And so there's two things going on here for the person who is in that spot because not only is there not enough earth for that seed to go down deep, 
there are stones and rocks, and hello, we're in Kingston, we know all about that. <laughs> uh, you know, we tried to dig our garden, and we're like, oh, yep, no, not going to happen, um, <laughs> because it doesn't take long to, to encounter stones, right? Um, but when that happens, there's nowhere for the roots to go, because there's stones everywhere. So stones represent areas of hardness in our lives that we don't want to deal with, those calloused areas, those hard areas, those uh -uh, don't touch that kind of area in our life. But stones also can represent stumbling blocks. Now what's interesting in verse 20, it says that there was immediate fruit. He said that immediately he receives this with joy and it starts to spring up. And so sometimes with people, you can see that there's an immediate fruit. There's some, there's some gifting. There's some stuff that happens with a person but they only last for a while. That's why Jesus talked, and Scott mentioned it too. He is after fruit that remains. He's not after just immediate fruit. He's after steady, good fruit with roots that go down deep so that we can sustain the fruit on an ongoing basis. See, if I can say it this way, religion does this to people. They love the show. They love doing all the right things, but they have no depth. They have no root inside of them. And Jesus actually um, addressed the religious leaders of the day. And if I can say this, I, I've grown up in church, and this is probably the most common problem among believers, is that there is, there is immediate shallow fruit, but many believers haven't allowed God to really dig their roots down deep, because when we see tribulations that are actually supposed to grow us, we run from them. And so many times we miss the very opportunity God wants to use in our lives to dig our roots down deep so that we can get sweeter fruit. Orange farmers in Florida say that every now and then they want a really bad winter so that the roots of those orange trees can go down much deeper, because the deeper the root, the sweeter the fruit. Yes, many times as Christians, we run from those moments and we think they're all of the devil. And in reality, many times God just allows us to go through seasons so that we can deepen our roots, so that we can support what he's doing in our lives. But Jesus talked to the religious leaders of the day, and if I can say this, they had the show, but they didn't have the fruit. And so he spoke to them and said, Matthew 21, verse 42 to 44 says, Jesus said to them, have you ever read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? And the Lord has done it, and it is marvelous in our eyes. But therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. Again, he's, he's referencing the Pharisees. He's saying, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. And listen to this, given to a people who will produce much fruit. So he's saying, I'm going to take it away from the showness. I'm going to take it away from religious systems. And I'm going to dig into people that will actually produce much fruit. And then he goes on to say, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. See, a stone can be a strong foundation, or it can be a stumbling block. Jesus is the cornerstone, which was actually meant to be the firm foundation that we build our lives upon. But for those that were operating in religious patterns, he actually became the stumbling block instead of their cornerstone. The very promise that they claimed to long for was the very promise that stood right in front of them. And the cornerstone of their faith became the stumbling block instead. See, if we don't allow the seed of the word of God to take root deep within ourselves and allow him to come into the deep areas of our lives and start pushing the dirt away and grow his word on the inside of us, then listen what happens when the sun shines on you 
it will actually scorch you. So that word that comes in, unless there's roots, it could actually hurt. If the word of God is in you, then the sun will grow you. If the word of God is on you only, then the same sun can actually scorch you. Have you ever, Gary always says, say amen or ouch. <laughs> uh, that's one of those ouch moments <laughs> where it's like, ooh, yeah, um, mm, yeah, I didn't like that word. It hurt, <laughs> right? And so sometimes the word of God comes, and if we don't allow it to actually dig deep, it can be a little painful. But God wants us to allow him to come and push through those areas in our lives so that we don't become dry and wither away. But listen to verse 20. Very interesting. It says, For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, W-O-R-D, not the world. We think of tribulation and persecution as something from the world. But he's actually saying, when the tribulation, which in the Greek means when pressure applied, oppressing together, comes because of the word, he stumbles. So can I say it this way? When the word of God comes and starts challenging us and starts pressing all around us, it is there to squeeze out ourselves and to produce the character of Jesus on the inside of us. That's what the word is there to do. So it says when tribulation, when the pressing comes of the word of God, then we do one of two things. We either grow or we get burnt. And it's all in our response to that same word that comes. But I want to just define the word scandalon, which is the word used for stumbles there. Scandalon literally means to be offended, to entice to sin, to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert the one whom he ought to trust and obey, and to cause to fall away. See, the enemy is there to try to break relationships. The enemy comes in, and when the word of God is starting to take root in us, the enemy comes in and he starts to try to sow little discord. He starts to sow offense because he wants to, to take us away from life-giving relationship, first and foremost with him, but also with others. So there's two people with completely different responses. He can either convict us and start to grow us, or the word can sometimes offend us and cause us to fall away. But when the pressure of the word comes in our life, let's allow it to grow us. Instead, we say it like this, and you've probably heard us say this if you've been here any length of time. We talk about character before function. See what happens when the pressure of the word of God comes on us. It starts to build and refine our character so that we become more like him. We talk often about an arrow and how God wants us to refine the shaft of the arrow before we start polishing the tip of it. Because it's actually the shaft that will allow us to shoot and hit the target straight. But so many times, and, and I'm sure you can relate, so many times we're so concerned about the arrow head. And so we do everything to, to get more uh, sharp on our arrow. But God says character first and the fruit will come. First character then function. Allow the process of time. Remember the seed needs to sit in the dirt. Allow the process of time to grow you rather than grow your gifting. See, we can always train gifting, but it's only character that will sustain that. Focus on growing it rather than using it. A tagline from our, our very church, from our, uh, our logo, says, make your mark, leave a legacy. Can I say this? Character leaves a legacy. 
The longevity of the word of God in our lives leaves a legacy. Fruit that lasts leaves a legacy. Generational blessing leaves a legacy. That's the kind of fruit that God wants us to have. That's why he says you need to have fruit that lasts. So allow the God, word of God to change you. And sometimes it is challenging. Sometimes God goes, uh, <clears throat> yes, Sandra, you see that area? You're like, oh, yeah, God. <laughs> sure, come, refine me. And then he goes, oh, yeah, it's going to hurt. You're like, oh, don't refine me. <laughs> um, maybe another day, Lord. I'm a little busy today. <laughs> but when we allow the word of God to come in us, it's amazing the kind of fruit that he will produce. Character shows the very heartbeat of God. Character produces legacy. Gifting doesn't. And we say this, don't let the gift of God take you where the character of God can't keep you. God wants to produce character that will allow your gifting to take you into places where you won't fall from the temptation of the enemy. The third thing is this, among thorns. So Matthew 13, verse 22 says, Now he who received seed among thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. The care talks about anxieties and distractions of the world that take us away from the very word of God that's supposed to grow us. And that word choke, when it says that, that the deceitfulness of riches and the cares and the anxieties and the worries of this world come, and that word choke literally means that the thorns come and they start to press around so much as to suffocate. Have you ever had that where you've had the word of God, but all of a sudden you feel like, oh, there's so much pressure and there's these things going on in my life and I don't know if I can truly believe that word and I don't see it happening because my, my circumstances aren't there yet. And all of a sudden you feel like it's choking out the word of God. Well, the good news is that we can actually start pulling those thorns out so that we can allow the word of God to take root. Um, isn't this just the most encouraging word so far? That's just lovely. I just, I just feel like how, how everyone's like, wow, that's just so positive, encouraging, Caleb. I am getting to the last part, because that's the good part. So, um, but I, just, I, I found so much when I was studying this week. So the word used here, when it says that it chokes out the word, it, means, it literally means a word uttered by a living voice that embodies a conception. So it's talking about the word of God that is conceived in your heart. And the enemy loves to come in and take it out right in that moment. But if we allow God to go beyond conception and allow that word to take root and fruit in our life, then there's nothing the enemy can do to stop that word of God from growing and from bearing fruit for generation after generation. See, the issue with thorns is that there's more than one type of seed growing in the soil. There's the seed, and then there's the thorns. So listen to this. I did a little study on thorns. First of all, they hurt. <laughs> I found that out because we've had thorns in our backyard, and that was no fun. It hurts to take them out. And what I learned also is please take them out quickly because the bigger they go, grow, the bigger the thorns are, and it's really hard to take them out after a while. <laughs> so I learned that from personal experience. But what happens with thorns is that they take up the nutrients of the soil. They actually grow long and thick root systems that can overpower the plants around them, causing them to be choked out. They spread, and more thorns can pop up quite far away because of the long root system underneath the ground. And they cast shade on other plants that are growing and will choke them and limit their growth. And they're best dealt with when they're small plants because if they're let to grow often, their root system becomes so 
strong that you cannot manually pull them out. How many have ever been there in your garden? Okay, so sometimes you actually have to hire in somebody to come and do it for you or use special tools to do it. And can I say this? Sometimes the enemy comes in and he starts planting those things in our lives, but the Word of God is the most powerful tool. It's like a power tool that he comes and he gives us, and he says that even if those roots have been there for years, even if we had allowed things in our lives, he can come in and, and one moment in the presence of God can surpass all the manual labor we have of trying to change ourselves and trying to change our patterns and what we do is we need to literally just surrender to Jesus and allow him to come in with the word of God and just rip out those root systems and those things in our lives that may have caused damage. But the interesting thing is I went back to the first time the word thorn was used. It was in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. It's right after the fall of man when sin entered the world. And God says to Adam and Eve, Cursed is the ground for your sake. And in toll you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Listen, both thorn and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Before that, in Genesis 2, God says that every tree was good for food and was fruitful. But now, because of sin, these thistles and thorns come in. Another mention of thorns comes in Matthew chapter 27. When Jesus was in the process of being crucified. It says that they took thorns and they put them together as a crown. And they took a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And I thought, what a beautiful picture how he takes the very curse of humanity and he bears it, blood-stained, upon his head. Because he wants to set us free once and for all from the curse of Satan. And so he can come in and he can take the very thing that's been bondage in your life. And because of his sacrifice, he can break the power of that very sin in our lives so that we can be free. And when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. He's the best weed killer ever. <laughs> and then he pours miracle grow on, and it's awesome. But think about what happened. They took the very truth, the fact that he was king, they made a crown of thorns, and they mocked him. So very often what happens when thorns are present in our lives, they take a truth of the word of God, and they twist it. And the very thing that was supposed to set us free becomes a stumbling block in an accusation against us. That's what a thorn will do. A thorn will work that way and twist the very word of God. Think about when he was hanging on the cross and they said, if you are the son of God, why don't you come off that cross and prove your power? See, they were appealing and trying to entice him to use power to show who he was. They were appealing to the charisma, the gifting, and the power in his life. But what did Jesus do? He was absolutely silent. And he allowed the character and the love and the forgiveness to flow out of his heart. And the very people that mocked him, he turned and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're twisting. They don't know that the very thing that was meant to set them free is now trapping them in their own offense and in their own words of accusations. See, he could in that moment have called on legions of angels and come and, and just gone, I'm the son of God, I'm going to prove it to you. 
Instead, he allowed the fruit and the character to prove to them the purpose of which he came. See, thorns twist the word of God. Thorns take truth and turn it into accusations. Thorns seek power to prove authority rather than character. Thorns attack our trust in him and turns it to the world. Thorns attack our priorities and distract us. Think about this. It says that the cares of this world distracted them. But Jesus says, cast your cares on me. And it says the deceitfulness of riches deceived them and took them away from God. Yet Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things will come. Cast your worries. So really, this is a distraction to take us away from the very Son of God that is there to free us. And the answer of this, to this distraction simply is to be courageous. See, courage, Cameron actually said this uh, years ago, I stole this from him. Courage isn't the absence of fear, but instead it's the tenacity to do what is right, no matter how afraid we are. That's true courage. So it's not just a matter of saying no to distractions. We first have to say yes to the right things so that we can line up our priorities with God's priorities. One of my favorite verses, verses sorry, uh, in math, sorry, Proverbs 37, verse 4, says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. See, I think many times we've interpreted this as, as long as I uh, love on Jesus, then he's going to give me everything I want. But this verse is actually saying, if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. He will implant in him his priorities, his desires, his will for your life, and your priorities will become his priorities. Your, uh, your desires will become his desires. So what we need to do is seek him first. So I want to end with the good ground. Because what we want to do is we want to literally look at those three different areas and go, Lord, what do you need to adjust in me? What do you need to change in me so I can have good ground? Verse 23 says, but he who received the seed on good ground is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. See, that good ground literally means genuine, well-adapted, honest, virtuous, pure of heart and life. That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for a perfect person. He's looking for someone that is well-adapted, that is genuine, so that he can bear much fruit. And if I can say it this way, it doesn't actually say that the ground was perfect. It just said that it was good. It was well-adapted. See, our lives are not necessarily always completely free of stones and even thorns. But we don't allow them to prevail our fruitfulness. If I can say it this way, believers aren't always completely free from the remains of sin, but they are happily freed from the reign of sin. See, we need to allow God's word to set us free from the reign of sin in our lives. So I believe that those that have good ground are intelligent hearers because they don't just hear, they understand and they apply it. So they see the meaning of the word of God in our, in our own lives. God, how will that change me? They're also fruitful hearers. The evidence of that understanding is in their fruitfulness. They're transformed by the renewing of their mind, allowing God to change them from the inside out. So we need to hide and protect the word of God in our heart. We need to hear and understand the word of God and apply it. We need to allow the pressure of the word of God to grow in us, not offend us. We need to allow the roots to go deep 
and to allow God to develop our character and refine our shaft. We need to weed our gardens, if you will, and we need to put God first. And the reward is this, that he said that you will produce a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Can I say this? Sometimes Christians get so caught up in comparing. So how much fruit do you have? How much fruit do I have? And I, you're better than me. But I think that actually fruitfulness does not have to do with numbers. Fruitfulness has to do with health. So what God is after is healthy ground, healthy soil that he can grow in. It's not about how many giftings you have or how many giftings they have. It's not even how big the church is or how small the church is. I believe that there's massive churches out there with very little fruit. And then there's tiny little churches out there with tons of fruit. It's not about numbers. It's about health. See, health has to do with our motive. Like Scott said, the fruit isn't for us or about us because God will increase what is healthy. So what we need to worry about is not how much fruit to produce, but we need to worry about just being healthy. And we need to allow him to come deep in our hearts, dig into that dirt, and start pushing through, pushing away the areas that have hindered us, those things that have trapped us. And if we have thorns and thistles and whatever else, I kept saying thistles to Cameron yesterday. He's like, you've got to get rid of that thistles thing. Um, so I didn't want to say it until now. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thorns and thistles. There we go. But we need to allow the word of God literally to rip them out of our lives. And 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says, So neither he who plants is anything, nor him who waters, but God gives the increase. So we need just to sit before God and say, Come, change me, transform me, challenge me, weed me, do whatever you need so that I can be good soil for your word to take root, go deep down and start to shoot up towards the sun so that I can bear much fruit, fruit that will remain. Ushers, if you want to come forward, I just have one little thing I want to give you guys as I close today. But I can say this, a healthy seed has incredible potential because God is an exponential God. Um, you can go ahead and hand those out. Um, so a seed, I'm going to use um, a kernel from a wheat today as an example. But think about this, one head of wheat usually has about 50 kernels. If you take 50 kernels and each one produces one more stalk of wheat, how many kernels do we have? Do we have a mathematician in the house? Okay, I'm going to give you the answer. It's 2,500. If those 2,500 kernels all produce one more stalk of wheat, do you know how many we have? 125,000 in one sitting. Can I say God is an exponential God? See, a seed has within it an exponential growth process. Now, Mark 4, it's the same parable, but Jesus finishes off by saying, consider carefully what you hear Consider what you hear, because with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you and even more. Think about this. There was 12 spies that stood before the promised land, and they were sent into the promised land, and they all saw the same thing. They saw this is the land that God has promised us. All 12 came back to report, and 10 of them said, um, I know there are grapes, but did you see the size of those giants? The two came back, Joshua and Caleb, and they said, um, I know there are giants, but did you see the size of those grapes? <laughs> see, they were looking at the very same thing. They were looking at the promise of God. And the measure that Jesus is talking about, I believe, is with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So he's saying, will you have faith? 
Will you see the promised land and go, oh yeah, yeah, there's the giants, there's the obstacles, but we have a big God and look at the fruit in that place. Look at God's prosperity in that place. So when you see a promise of God in your life, are we going to be among the ten spies and says, eh, I don't know. Or are we going to be like the two that said, give me the mountain. I want to go in there and I want to take every promise that God has for me. It's about how we measure those promises. Today, do you have faith that God loves you just the way you are, but that he loves you so much that he wants the word to come in and grow you and change you so that you don't stay the way you are? Do you have faith today that there's a living God in the universe out there that loves you personally so much that he has a plan and a purpose for you? Do you believe today that you have a seed of faith inside of you that can produce not just hundredfold, but exponentially? So what you have in your hand right now is, I want to end with this verse. It says in Matthew 17, verse 20, Assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, if you have faith as a mustard seed, what you have in your hand right now is one mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen one before, but that's how big they are. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will be done because nothing will be impossible for you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you have faith that God can use you, then he will. If you have faith that God's promises for you and you take it like Mary and you hide it and you hold it and you allow it to take root, then God's promise will come through because it always pushes through when it sits in the ground and allows the sun to shine on it. Would you stand with me this morning? And I just want to show you a picture. I don't know if, how many of you have seen a mustard seed before, but I want to show you the size that the seed will grow into if planted. If you want to throw that out there, James. This is the size of a mustard tree. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, if you have just a little bit of faith, he's actually not so concerned about how big your faith is. He's concerned about how much faith you have in a big God. And so this morning, I want to challenge us to take that faith and to realize that whatever it is that has come into our lives, whatever stones, whatever thistles or thorns, (laughs) whatever I had to think now, uh, whatever it is that may have clouded our lives, that may have caused us to just hear and not understand, we need to allow the Word of God to come into us and change us and take that little seed, plant it into the ground and believe that God will produce a harvest like that. And so I want you to take this little seed, and I, I know this is completely cheesy, but I woke up with this phrase, literally, you have the potential to be exponential. You have the potential to be exponential. So every time you look at that seed, I want you to think about what God can do in you and through you. Please don't flush them down the drain because apparently they grow in pipes. <laughs> so, uh, so don't try that because that could be very dangerous. But keep it in a safe place in your little baggie. And every time you look at it, I want you to remember that you have the potential to be exponential. Do you want to know what my faith is? My faith is that we will be a church that will change this generation. My faith is that God will give us a home soon. 
That's our faith. So that we can carry out more effectively the purposes that he has put us for in this city. I have faith that together we are better than alone. I have faith that we can do great things and great exploits for God. And I wrote out a few points. And I, if you agree with me, would you just even close your eyes this morning and, and lift your hands just in faith to God. I believe that in history's pages, it will say of impact that we became a true friend of God. I believe that in history's pages, it will say that we changed humanity humanity's course because of the work of God in us and through us. I believe that God will say of Impact Church that they shut the mouth of lions and of those obstacles and of those things that came against us. I believe that they will say of Impact Church that God will say that they diverted evil on the earth and that they ran and rescue shop an inch from hell. I'm not afraid to go near there because we need to snatch people away from hell. I believe that God will say that we made him famous throughout the whole earth and that their exploits caused heaven to cheer because we had faith as a mustard seed and if we just have a mustard seed then God can do anything and lastly I want God to say of us of me and of us that we served our moment well at the end of our days there's nothing more that I want to hear than well done you good and faithful servant and so Lord we come before you this morning and Lord we hold up our hands to you in faith to say God here we are take us Lord we know that in each and every person that's sitting in this place this morning you have placed a seed that is exponential we thank you God that there's a seed of faith in every person in this place and I thank you for the dreams and the purposes that you have for every single person in this place and I pray God that not one will fall to the ground but that you will literally accomplish the word that you sent out over every single person. I thank you that destinies are sitting in this room just waiting to happen. I thank you, Lord, that there's people in this room that have connections, Lord, that are going to bring open up great doors for your love and for your light to shine through to this city, Lord. I thank you, God, that within this, this room, Lord, there's the potential to change not just our city, but to change the world, not because of us. And Lord, we don't want to be remembered but we want you to be remembered. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted high. We want you to be glorified in everything that we are, in everything that we say, and in everything that we do. So Lord, as we go this morning, I ask God that you would allow us to understand truly how your word can take deep root in each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, would you cleanse us from anything that has distracted us? any roots that have come in and sprung forth thistles or thorns. Lord, would you cleanse us? We just want to be used by you. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 